celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And if you were in studio today, you would see that uh, Dr. Debbie has brought in this cute little kitten, <laughs> just a cute little black kitten. Oh, <laughs> say hi to everybody. Oh, my goodness. Oh yes, my she goodness. is adorable, and she's not mine. I know you guys keep saying she's going to be mine, she but is. Um, she's mine for now, so that's good enough. <laughs> oh, I would be a foster failure with that little critter. No doubt. Did- you know, I have her for a spell, so um, just until she gets large enough, old enough that she's um, healthy, doesn't need a lot of, you know, veterinary care, because, um, you know, if you're kind of getting a pet from a veterinarian you want to make sure they're good and healthy and um you know i want to make sure everything's good to go um so we're just giving it a little extra time and tlc until she gets to that point does she have a name does he have a name? you know what i'm trying not to name her um my husband has named her moxie um <laughs> But um, I keep reminding him that it, you know, but he's he's just like so focused on this little one. So yeah, we may be in for trouble. <laughs> and so this is a, this is a, this is a kitten for somebody else. Moxie is for somebody else, right? Yes, for somebody else. Uh, around the holidays, um, there's a um, kind of you know, I know you're not supposed to get pets as gifts, but when it is solicited and someone says, "Will you get me one?" Um, so yes, so, so I'm taking that responsibility to make sure good personality, well socialized, and good health, and all of the important stuff taken care of beforehand. Here, let me hold her. <laughs> don't, no, don't, don't give it to Hal. Big mistake. Have you brushed your teeth yeah. yet? Have I, have I brushed my teeth yet? <laughs> no, Dr. Debbie, because she's... Oh, the cat's teeth. Have you brushed the cat's teeth? Yeah. You know, I haven't done that yet. So, it, it, you know, it's been a short while, but, you know, I'm going to work on the, the grooming, so the brushing and the teeth brushing. We haven't quite gotten there yet. We've gotten used to some of the outdoor sounds, uh, sound sites, um, you know, crates and traveling in the car. That's been a big thing where, you know, trying to socialize, too. Um, and then just being around a lot of people. So just about everyone at my hospital um, can't get enough of this creature, and uh, so she's very accustomed to being handled, different people, different sounds. Barking dogs is not a problem for her. Um, Doorbells, things like that. So we're just kind of getting her to be a well-rounded kitten used to stuff. How old is she? Six weeks right now. Wow. And, And what age do you neuter a kitten? Um, we usually wait till at least three months. Um, so we've got some time. You know, she's still got to get vaccinations. She's got to have some, you know, different types of lab work done. Um, we've already done some parasite testing and deworming, but she's, you know, she's too young. She's under the radar yet for, you know, a lot of the things like vaccinations so far. Is so. she eating hard food or is it still a bottle Solid. baby? She is eating solids, uh, so she's on dry and canned food, um, and she has got a little pot belly on her leg. And yeah. I, I don't think I showed you the best part oh, of let me her. See. Let me see. It's her butt. Oh, her butt? She has no tail. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, she has no tail. Ma- she was born she with no tail. Oh, a minx. Mm-hmm. Oh, she is yeah. a minx. Yes. Yeah. So little special. So yeah, the the joke is, you know, anyone from the veterinary world, we end up with animals missing body parts. So <laughs> I kind of did this whole thing of, do you mind if it has one eye, um, a missing a leg? Um, and then I left out the tail thing because I kind of knew this one had no tail and I was interested in her. Ow. <laughs> <I just got bit. laughs> 
Well, how adorable. Uh, if you want to talk to Dr. Debbie, toll free, 1-866-405-8405 right now. Questions about your animals or for Joey Volani, grooming questions, same number. And you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. And we're going to go to those phones in just a couple of seconds here. Let's find out what's going to be happening from the newsroom, the Animal Radio, the palatial Animal Radio newsroom in about 20 minutes. I got some, my hands on some incredible research, Hal. Uh-oh. We're going to find out how you can test your dog, your cat, your pet, whatever, for right-handedness or left-handedness, because you're going to want to know really? what they are. I didn't yeah. realize they could be left-pawed or right-pawed. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder if that would make a difference when they kick a ball or use a scissors. It does. Boss <laughs> always lifts his right leg more, so maybe he's right-handed. We'll find out exactly how to tell. In just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. And let's go to line three. Hi, Will. Hello. How are you doing today? Pretty good, thanks. And yourself? Very good. How can we help you? Oh, man, I have a beautiful husky chow mix that's cream-colored. Mm. Uh, beautiful, full of love. And she went to the groomer and came back. And about a week later, she started, like, scooting her rear end on the ground and picking at herself a little bit. And then a week later... She started scratching and tearing herself real bad, and now she's pulled all her hair out of her tail. Uh-oh. And she's just miserable. Uh, we took her to the vet, and they gave some anti-inflammatory... I can't remember the medication they gave her, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem to be doing much because, like, she's still a nervous wreck. Uh, initially, we were feeding them Purina 1 and... We have a community dog bowl, and one of the dogs is overweight, so we went and got some pedigree weight control, and I had Mm -hmm. the dog foods mixed. And we were feeding them Dynavite also, but my wife stopped Mm -hmm. that for a little bit, and we have three other dogs, and none of them are having a problem except scooting their butt across the rug. Okay. (laughs) The main problem is a husky chow, Maddie. I'm, I'm just heartbroken or seeing her. Sure. Now, is she? Um, does she have her full coat, or she, was she shaved? No, she wasn't shaved. Uh, she was thinned out, so to speak. Are there any sores in the areas where she's chewing? That that you said at the base of the tail is where she's kind of focusing. Uh, I saw her scratching, and I looked, and she had sores where she had been scratching. Uh, mm-hmm. We took her to the vet. Got an appointment three or four days later, and the vet found a little bit of flea debris. Mm, okay. uh, maybe a week before, I had treated her with uh, a frontline flea treatment, but uh, we have okay. no fleas in the house, no other problems. Okay. Because i got to say, uh, Will, when you describe a itching and scratching kind of at the tail base area, that is a prime spot for flea allergy dermatitis in dogs. So that was my going to be one of my questions is what the incidence of fleas is in your area. Because um, it doesn't always have to be a lot of fleas. It can be just even one or two that can um, make a certain pet very sensitive, and they can be miserable with itching. So I would definitely look at our flea control, um, you know, whether we need to add in any other regimens, even beyond just the front line, to help manage. Because with that kind of a husky chow coat, there's a lot of fur going on in there. So um, it, it can definitely be a challenge to find these little critters if they're there. But I would definitely say that would be one of the things I would really focus on there. 
And if we're not responding to the normal anti-itch things, sometimes we have to kind of up the ante a little bit. Um, you know, anti-inflammatories could include things like um, uh, we could use an antihistamine, um, something right. like a Benadryl product. Um, if we're moving to something more of a steroid for that really tough itch, um, some pets that, that can be something we need, especially if we've got some flea allergy dermatitis going on. Uh-huh. Um, it's a little strange that this kind of came up all of a sudden. Um, and if she's never had any other problems before, I'm little less inclined to think that this is maybe your straightforward um, seasonal allergy. Um, usually pets that have that, we kind of have an ongoing thing and we can kind of either pick the seasons or we can see an ongoing problem that kind of waxes and wanes throughout the year. Um, so I would really, really work on that flea control and uh, check out the other babies in the house too because, um, you know, if they're harboring the fleas but aren't particularly bothered by that, um, then you're going to have a, a losing cycle here if we only focus on her. Okay. But, uh, well, we treat all the other babes with uh, flea control, and we have no fleas in the house. And okay, I've good. And I looked, looked all over the chow, and there's no fleas. She's an outside dog. She, she loves chasing squirrels, but I don't know if she catches any. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. it just breaks well, my heart to see her miserable like that. Definitely. And then, it, I mean, if, if she's not responding to what the veterinarian has prescribed, my, my recommendation is pick up that phone and get her back there. Um, because sometimes it may be that we need to either up the ante and try something a little more potent, or we need to get to the heart of it. And if there's other issues going on, say she's got a, a bacterial infection or some other kind of uh, parasite infection, we're going to have to change our course. So I would want to make sure that if we're really not seeing response and she's uncomfortable, I'm uncomfortable too, just hearing about it. So I want to get her, I want to get her some good relief. And then just another sidebar here. Um, if she's an outside dog, we have to remember fleas live outside. So, um, she's still definitely at risk for that. And if she spends time with the indoor dogs, you know, there's still that cross contamination possibility. So we got to kind of keep that in mind as well. So, oh, I hope it's not the fleas. Those little miserable suckers. They, (laughs) and in that woolly coat of hers, um, you know, all of that, it becomes very uncomfortable. So, you did mention some food um, things. I'm definitely yeah. a fan of some general skin supplements, feeding a good quality diet. Um, but I think the heart of this is for your situation is I want to really get down to that nitty gritty in that area and, and take a close look at her rump area. If that doesn't sound too weird. <laughs> So good luck with that, Will. This is Dr. Debbie. If you've got an itch, you want to figure out how why it's scratching, and you're a dog, give me a call at 1-866-405-8405. This portion of Animal Radio is brought to you by Brilliant Pad, the world's first self-cleaning dog potty. It automatically replaces a soiled pad with a fresh clean one so your home stays odor-free, and you never have to touch, see, or smell yucky pads again. You can learn more over at BrilliantPad.com, and thank you, Brilliant Pad, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. A curious deer in Palo Alto, California, got his head stuck in a plastic pumpkin head bucket left over from Halloween. The deer was found by Chia Wu, who called an animal control officer after she was unable to convince the deer to let her help him. Officer William Warrior tried to calmly catch the deer, who kept running into trees with a pumpkin hat acting as a helmet. By anticipating the deer's movements, Warrior was able to get ahead of 
of it and free the disoriented deer from the pumpkin head. The very thankful deer returned to the woods au natural. Warrior said it was a first for him, although he occasionally finds skunks with their heads trapped in your play containers. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Whether your kids are still in car seats or high school, Chrysler offers an entire lineup of family-friendly vehicles designed to make your life easier. And now, take advantage of great deals at your local Chrysler dealer. Those big, scary storms can be terrifying for your pet. And we know that when they're stressed, so are you. Take good care of your buddy with VetraScience Composure. VetraScience Composure helps ease anxiety for pets caused by storms, travel, and owner separation. It won't sedate them, and your pets will love the taste. Also, try our Glycoflex for hip and joint health, as well as multivitamins and probiotics. Find VetraScience supplements at your local pet store, Petco, or your vet. Learn more at VetraScience.com. Animal Radio. Toll free 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to the Dream Team. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by VetraScience. Give your pets the extra support they need. From Glycoflex joint support to composure for pet stress, VetraScience has the supplement for all your pets' needs. Thank you, VetraScience, for underwriting Animal Radio. Hi, Patricia. Hi. How are you? Oh, very well, but I have a question, two questions that are kind of eluding me right now. Okay. Sounds challenging. Let's go. (laughs) I have indoor cats, and I I, I do a lot of, you know, now and then cat rescue, and I decided to let two of the rescued ferals stay in my backyard. And so the first question is, I was told that one of them may be FIV positive. And now she has turned into a little love bug, and she wants to come in. (laughs) And she comes up to me and rubs all over me and practically lets me pick her up. So I'm guessing she was somebody's pet and kind of reverted to a feral mindset. And now that she's had a place to be settled and good people taking care of her, she's going back to being friendly. But when I open the door, she tries to run in. And um, <laughs> She knows what's good, man. She's on her way. <laughs> she, and so what would... Would it be a bad idea to let her come in if there is an FIV positive test? Is the, and the other piece I'll throw on there is that I think I remember, or I think I heard, that if they have had a an, uh, vaccine for FIV, that their test may come up positive. But I am not sure about yeah. that. Yeah, and that kind of comes to like why we have the suspicion of FIV, which is also really known as feline immunodeficiency virus. So it's similar to kind of like the HIV virus in humans. So FIV in cats, yes, um, we can get some false positives basically from a cat that's previously been vaccinated. If we do get a, a positive test, there are some confirming tests we can do to kind of reassure us. So I guess the big thing is, you know, what's the risk with bringing this kitty into the home? Well, for FIV, it's typically spread through bite wounds between cats. So cats that live outdoors, that kind of have that fighting lifestyle, especially the male intact cats, they're the number one carriers of FIV. And in fact, 4% of outdoor feral cats are positive for FIV. 4%? So, wow. Yeah. So if you want to make this kitty an indoor cat and you have existing cats, there's a slight risk of acquiring that inside the home. Now, if they fight 
and this cat bites yours, absolutely, we can contract FIV that way. But through casual contact, drinking out of the same water bowl, grooming behaviors, there's really not a high risk of transmission of the virus, fortunately. So, you know, this might be a dual win-win in, you know, not only rescuing this cat, but helping save some of those other ferals out there from becoming FIV positive if they're not already. But, you know, there's that slight risk for your kitty. So I I would say, you know, you kind of have to recognize that and know your cats and see how they interact, uh, whether or not this is a risk you'd want to take. Okay. Well, I really appreciate the information. Now I feel like I can make an informed decision. Good luck with that. I know how tough it is with ferals. We, we've brought in a few ferals ourselves. 1-866-405-8405 to connect with any one of the Dream Team. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by VetraScience. And just like their owners, our pets get older, their joints stiffen up, and jumping for joy suddenly becomes a little more difficult. Glycoflex hip and joint supplements from VetraScience help support joint health in your pets. And we salute VetraScience for supporting Animal Radio and underwriting this show. Hello, Animal Radians. It's Robert Semro, your Pet World Insider, here with this week's Animal Radio List, Five Advantages of Adopting a Senior Pet. November is Adopt-A-Senior Pet Month, and there are so many reasons to take this cause to heart. Every pet up for adoption needs a forever home, and there are some really important and gratifying reasons to adopt a senior pet. So let's begin with one that can be very important, as well as convenient for those with a busy lifestyle, or someone wanting the transition to be a very smooth one. Training a young pet is a task, and one that is often filled with tests of patience, will, and intelligence. Senior pets are often already trained, have routines, and or have good manners. Yes, they may have a few mannerisms that you may need to redirect or retrain, but the chances are that you will find a senior pet has a strong foundation for you to work with. And before anyone tells you that old dogs and cats can't learn new tricks, that's absolutely false. Next up is the reality that they have likely adjusted to being alone or on their own for extended periods of time and are already adept at finding peace in that alone time. Often younger pets need constant supervision and attention or bad habits can develop, including high anxiety levels, which can lead to a lot of destroyed furniture and or shoes. One of the more wonderful things for those wanting a specific kind of pet with a specific set of traits and personality is that a senior pet's personality is already developed and on display. You should be able to tell if they're going to need to be the life of the party or just going to chill out with you and be your chill mate. This can be a huge advantage as you can determine how they will fit into your lifestyle and just as important how you will fit into theirs. Older pets are more likely to integrate into the family quicker as well. They don't have to be taught the value of a loving family. They often seem to know that they were blessed to be brought into a family and work to ingratiate themselves into that family. One last great thing about adopting a senior pet is that you can really identify the type of breed and characteristics that you want and find that. There are pure breeds, mixed breeds, completely trained, completely active, completely chill, and so much more. Additionally, you can see how a senior pet integrates with your current pets much quicker. So it's much easier to know what you're getting in a senior pet than hope to grow and train them into the pet that you want. Every pet deserves a home, and every home has a different need. 
Embrace that you're giving a senior pet the best home possible for its senior years and know that you made a huge positive difference in this pet's life. It'll be rewarding for both you and your senior pet. Share your senior pet tips on our Animal Radio Facebook page. Hi friends, this is Dr. Marty Becker, America's Veterinarian. After a traumatic experience at the veterinary office, have you ever thought to yourself, there has to be a better way? When your veterinarian is fear-free certified, you'll find your pet's vet visit is safer, more comfortable, and actually enjoyable. Your dog will go from shaking in the lobby to pulling you into the exam room with a wagon tail, and your cat will be purring inside the carrier. To find a certified fear-free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. The term southpaw, you know, you probably heard it. I hear it a lot in baseball, but it refers to left-handed people. But your pet, did you ever think about this might be a southpaw or a right-hander or pawer as well? Yeah. A, a veterinary researcher, her name is Dr. Janice Lloyd, she's very well known, has been studying the handedness or pawness of animals, but not just on dogs and cats. This study is so unique, they're also looking at horses and goats and all kinds of animals. Now, she says that while only 10% of humans are lefties, nearly 50%, about half, of dogs favor their left paw, but that fish prefer to swim in a right-handed direction. Did you know that all kangaroos appear to be left pawed? So think about this. What is the difference between lefties and righties in animals? Well, is it the same with humans? I know that left-handers tend to be more creative. Mm-hmm. Supposed to use the right side of the brain. Yeah. Now, how you're left-handed, aren't you? I am. So am I. That's right. You are. Yeah. I, you, you rarely think of you guys share an office, so I didn't think. <laughs> I thought that was kind of odd <laughs> that you would both be left-handed. But handedness, they say, is really a form of laterality, and that is the preferential use for one side of your body over the other. It's kind of like with kids. They say, you know, if you're... Your child picks up something always with the left hand. In the old days, they used to not allow them. They'd kind of force them to use their right hand. They say, don't do that. So That happened to studies, me. Studies, really? Oh, yeah, they forced me to, you know, but it didn't work. My mom went down to the school and set them straight. Good. Everybody's body is different. They've done studies on guide dogs, too, you guys, that show that right pod dogs tend to pass their training twice as often as left pod dogs. Now, they say, you know, dogs are about half and half. So another potential advantage of that is that right-handed animals appear to have a hardier immune system. Okay? I thought this was interesting for you lefties. Left-handed animals, including humans, are believed to be more prone to stress. I had never heard that. Ah, oh, that's not true. That is absolutely is. not true. And, well, we have to live in a right-handed world. You know, the, the notebooks, the desks, the school desks, the scissors. It's really it's, pissing us off. It is. It's tough. It's a tough you know, world. For you lefties. But I thought that was fascinating and kind of brings us all together here. So you can test your own pets if you want to do that. And if you want to, we'll talk about it later and I'll tell you how, okay? You know, it's it's funny when you, when you talk about um, what's well, actually not funny. When you talk about the, the the lefties, when we had um when when I had the National Academy Pet Grooming School, um we couldn't even get the left-handed scissors for these um for these people, and they would almost have to retrain them to groom dogs in righty manner because um believe it or not, 
scissors made for a um, righty cut completely different than scissors made for a lefty because it's how you apply the pressure to the scissor. So normally, normal pressure would be is you push with your thumb down, which cuts the hair. When a lefty has to use a right-handed scissor, now they have to pull. So what they did find out, and, and, and the industry started to change it was, is they were getting more, um, they were getting more problems like carpal tunnel because of the way that they had to use their hands now. So. I see. Some, it's a tough world we live in. Yeah, tough world for you lefties. But I never thought about animals being lefty and righty. It's, um, you know, you just think of them just, I don't know. Now, Lori, are you about gonna, their business. You're going to tell us how to tell? Yeah, how can we tell right? that? You want to know? Sure. Well, yeah, I mean. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Dr. Lloyd says you can use Post-it notes and put a Post-it note like on their head or on their nose. But if they're really annoyed by the Post-it notes, don't do that because you're not out to annoy the, the pet or the animal. Um, or you can use, um, what else did they say? Like just treats that they would have to grab. Something that would require hand or paw or leg motion. So would they swipe that sticky Post-it note off with their right hand or the left hand? You have to look at the way you do it. And do it concisely, the same exactly, 50 times. (laughs) And yet, if you get 32 times out of the 50 with one leg or the other, then that is what your pet would be. And and think about horses are the same way. You know, a lot of them, because they have to run counterclockwise to the left, right? So um, if you... You know, you could have a winner or a loser. So, and when you're affecting, you know, uh, guide dogs like they talked about, that that's pretty amazing. You can just do a, a simple little test to determine if or if not a pup might be more better suited for one career or another. Huh. I work with a service dog, and she's supposedly in training, but she's not doing real well. So I'm going to have to check to see if she's right or left pod. And you say if she's right pod, she is more suited for it, or if she's left pod? Right pod dogs tend to pass their training okay. for guide dog training. She's got to um, be left pod, then, I'm guessing. <laughs> no, no, right pod. I oh, know, so but she's not doing very she... well. <laughs> so I'm guessing she's left. Uh, don't, don't you know there are listeners all across the country right now putting sticky notes and post-its on their, their animals. <laughs> their animals head. Now, as if escaping Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria was not enough, Puerto Ricans who want to get off the island are having to leave their pets behind. Due to this new federal restriction, the government has come in here. The federal government has literally taken custody of cargo compartments on planes because they kind of have to. They're trying to get more supplies transported to the island so the feds are not allowing larger animals or those more than 20 pounds to fly it's estimated already that about 2,000 people have had to leave their pets behind because of this new restriction but uh, at last check i saw where JetBlue and southwest have both modified their pets in the people compartment policy so they will allow up to eight pets on board inside the plane with their owners Mm. for the time being good for them now if you are a disney fan and every family that has kids or grandkids ends up going to disney but four hotels at disney world are now allowing guests to bring their dogs along on vacation 
But, but this is just a pilot program, okay? So you're going to have to book quickly. It started just a few weeks ago, and they're now accepting reservations through October of next year. The four hotels in the program are Disney's Yacht Club Resort, Disney Port Orleans Resort Riverside, Disney's Art of Animation Resort, and the cabins at Fort Wilderness Resort and Campground. Now, the Yacht Club, it sounds a little more ritzy, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, they add $75 to daily room rates for canine guests. The other three resorts are going to charge you an extra $50 per dog. They do give you a welcome kit, though, with a dog mat, feeding bowls, uh, a custom ID tag, poo-poo bags, puppy pads where they can pee-pee on, plus a, a dog whopping, a dog whopping, a dog walking map of the property. And, and just two dogs are permitted per room. But it's, that's a big, big, big step for Disney. Sure. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at animalradio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at animalradio.com. Hi, this is Betty White. All us animal lovers love animal radio. Please help every way you can to make life better for our animals. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, celebrating our connection with our pets. I know you can only see Judy dancing in the studio. That, that music gets me going, gets my blood pumping. It is time for another in our Fear Free Expert series, and who better than Dr. Marty Becker, America's favorite veterinarian. Let me say the world's favorite veterinarian, if I might. How are you doing? Are you channeling? Did you guys have a seance and channel my mother? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, You know what? I honestly feel like, you know, sometimes like God plays favorites, you know, I've... I've lived a blessed life, married to the love of my life for 40 years, and and then being a veterinarian, you know, you want nothing more than to help pets people in the profession, and it's amazing how what's happened with Fear Free. Well, you're talking about mostly veterinarians and vet techs that are involved in this and getting certified, but there are things we can do at home to make our homes fear-free, happy homes, and this is what's really exciting to me, Doc. What you What you see is that is people have behavior problems with their pet they either know somebody or them or themselves that whose pet hates to go to the vet hates to go to grooming they have the issues of emotional well-being of separation anxiety thunderstorm phobias some kind of noise phobias so what fear free happy homes is set to do and at fearfreehappyhomes.com it's doing two things one is to reduce fear anxiety and stress in the home and the other thing is to increase enrichment activities so this this site's really the only place on the web you can find cutting-edge resources to equip these pet owners with everything they need to give their pets a full-circle, happy, healthy, and fear-free life. It's the only place where the content is either written by or approved by boarded veterinary behaviorists. And it's it's free to register, and when you're a member, then you get these exclusive deals on on fear-free products and then articles about enrichment and exercise and at-home care and whether it's taking a pet to the vet that wants to go it's learning how to help pets not be born and stay retired 
That's that's your place to go. <laughs> and it doesn't cost any money whatsoever to register for this. No, no, that's correct. There's there's zero cost to register. And the amazing thing, and I think you you guys being in this media for so long, we're averaging about a thousand people a day oh, wow. signing up with a soft launch. We are with Dr. Marty Becker. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to find out why enrichment is so important for our pets' happiness. Stick around. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. All dogs should eat a pH-balanced alkaline diet. An alkaline diet reduces health risks and can also reduce scratching, shedding, and hot spots. So does this mean you need to check your dog's pH balance? No, because Canine Caviar has created the first and only alkaline dog food that is pH-balanced. It also has the highest metabolized calories. What does this mean? Your dog needs to eat less. Get a healthier dog and save money with Canine Caviar products. Find them at your local pet supply store or online at caninecaviar.com. Hi, this is Brandon McMillan on Animal Radio, and be sure to adopt and not shop. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It is Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. We'll go back to the phones in just a couple of minutes. Toll free at 1-866-405-8405. And don't forget, you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. We are with Dr. Marty Becker. He, of course, is the, the father of Fear Free, really. I mean, yeah, some people have been practicing this for a while, but this is the guy who's got it all together and is certifying veterinarians across the country and now is bringing it into your household so you can have a Fear Free Happy Home. And one of the things that he's doing for Fear Free Happy Homes is teaching you how to enrich your pet's life. Give me some ideas what, what that means exactly. Here's the thing. I grew up on a farm and ranch in southern Idaho. And you think of southern Idaho, you think of potatoes. And yes, one of the crops we grew were famous Idaho potatoes. Yes. But back then, dogs had a job to do. They had a utilitarian role. And so the cats. So what the dogs do? They herded cattle. Oh. They alar- alarm barked when somebody came over. Mm-hmm. They retrieved ducks. We used to be a hunter. Um, not anymore, but we used to retrieve ducks. And the cats, the cats were, were barn cats. They, they were mousers. You know, we had grain in there for the things and they were mousers. And now what happened over the 40 years I've been a veterinarian, we see it go from mouser to moocher and guard dog to lard, lard dog. I mean, God. How true is that? These animals, when you look at them, we got a new kitten. You know, it's like having a Cirque du Soleil performer in the house. You know, their bodies are built for movement. They're very athletic. Their brains are exquisitely put together to detect, apprehend, kill, and eat. Instead, what we do, and think of this, in the wild, uh, the wild canids, a wolf, coyote, fox, they spend 80% of their waking hours in pursuit of food. And our dogs at home spend three minutes to eat. Yeah. And and then what do you do the rest of the time? You're bored. So enrichment, I think, you know, when growing up, we th- you know, we started to get the message, okay, to have a pet that you need to have uh, food, water, uh, shelter, veterinary care. And shelter sounds funny now, but when, when I was younger, they were mostly outdoor dogs and cats, yeah, you know. Yeah. So even when I was younger. Yeah. So that's, yeah. So there was, you know, now we just think, well, you know, the dog house is, you know, three bedrooms, a widescreen TV uh-huh. and a spa, but we, we got pets inside. And now enrichment, I think, is the big thing that 
zoos do a better job of enrichment. You go to a zoo, you go to a marine park, you see the focus on enrichment, and now we have an obligation to to do this for our family pets. And what we do, we're not only you know returning a portion of what they give to us but we reduce obesity we decrease behavior problems we just don't feed the body we feed the mind and so it's everything from throwing away the food bowls and using food puzzles or food dispensing devices it's scent training it's it's uh just teaching dogs uh literally teaching old dogs new tricks it's it's stimulating that mind uh you know in a so they're we actually call it helping pets live happy healthy full lives you know happy is fear free healthy is high tech veterinary medicine and full is enrichment yeah i think you you tapped into it our dogs need a job they need something to do they they yes. they can't just be domesticated and sleep around the house all day watching tv like uh, uncle louie does no some cats <laughs> do too i know cats that get bored that need stimulation as well give me three simple steps i know there's a lot more but i'm going to start with three simple steps that i can take today to give my pet a happier and more fulfilled life number one by far is to throw the food bowls away that you want to use food puzzles or food dispensing devices so there's there's my two favorite for dogs are are kong genius okay uh, and then the second one's called green interactive feeder which you're you can buy them both in in pet stores or online the the second thing would to do would be to Teach them new tricks that you're constantly adding to their repertoire. Maybe there's a different a different trick every quarter, but frequently, and by frequently, a couple times a week, have them go through the tricks. You know, to sit, to lie down, to play dead, to jump through your arms, to speak, to do these different things. And everybody's really funny. Once they do this, everybody's thinking, "Oh my God, this dog's smart." You know. <laughs> Uh, and same thing for, same thing for cats. You can teach, we're teaching our kitten right now to do, to stand on its hind legs, to jump through our arms. And this is a little 12 week old kitten. Aww. So food dispensing devices, uh, make sure you do tricks with them and then try to find something to activate what's in their DNA. So if, if it's a retriever, retrieve. It's, if it's a scent animal, do some kind of scent training. If it's a dog that uh, likes to burn off calories, you know, you may uh, take it swimming or do something like that. That it, You know, if it's a Labrador retriever, there's nothing better than retrieving a floating ball in a body of water. All great things. And, of course, we can find out more at the website, Fear Free Happy Homes. Is that the website, fearfreehappyhomes.com? That, that's it. That's it, fearfreehappyhomes.com. And you'll notice it's, you know, it's very easy to navigate. It's It looks modern. It it navigates easy, but the thing I want to say is when you two-thirds of the boarded veterinary behaviorists and the certified applied animal behaviorists in the world, now you've got something, you know, the content's a mile wide and a mile deep, and you can take it to the bank. Everything in there is authenticated and based on clinical studies, not on a best guesstimate or hyperbole. And we'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.pet, fearfreehappyhomes.com. Dr. Marty Becker, thanks so much for visiting with us today. You know, it just goes by so fast, we're going to have to do it more often. Well, thanks, dear friends, and thanks for your support that started way before this thing became something formal. Thank you. We're going to head back to the phones for your calls next. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. 
Hi, this is Paul Reiser, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Every minute you're here, you're not harming someone else. I don't know what that means. <laughs> if it's usable, use it. Otherwise, cut it and get out. Admit it. You love your dog, and he is part of the family. So, when choosing your next vacation, don't forget Fido. With just a little planning, the entire family can enjoy a road trip. To find the best vacation spot for Spot, subscribe to Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog, where each issue includes hotel and destination reviews, where both you and Fido are welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and find out what all the barking's about. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And in just a few minutes, anthrozoologist, which is apparently an emerging field, anthrozoologist John Bradshaw will be back with us. Of course, he's written so many books. We've had him on for about each and every book that he's had on. Yes, Last time we had him author. on, he told us that uh, we could train our cats. <laughs> I still haven't had any luck in that. Good luck with that. Yeah, yeah they've trained us. <laughs> His new book, The Animals Among Us, How Pets Make Us Human. And he's going to talk about how it's just in our nature to love pets. And I want to find out why some some animals are pets family members and when with some animals are uh food that's what i want to find out. i'm going to ask him about that okay also we never ask him about his life and his animals i want to know he probably has a house full of animals right you at least so. yeah he's got to have many gotta many do cats, all that research dogs. sure so uh i will ask that stupid question that i asked <laughs> jackson galaxy jackson galaxy do you have cats i will ask john <laughs> <laughs> the obvious question right the obvious, what animals do you have and that's on the way in just a couple of minutes Lori, what are you working on well, there's uh, another one of these cases in the news, and it's one of those cases that would just be your worst nightmare. Your your dog is supposedly euthanized by the vet, and then to find out months later that the animal is still alive. And uh, this case happened in New Jersey, and we'll tell you all about it. Wait a second. Didn't you just do You did this mm-hmm. news story, didn't you? I mean, uh, I, yes. I, I heard you I think that was Utah, though. You mean this has yeah, happened Again? again? Again, again, yeah. Wow, okay. It's kind of weird. I think probably most of us who are pet lovers probably tend to hold our animals as they're being euthanized, but apparently, I guess, we'll have to talk to Dr. Debbie. Maybe that's not done as often as we think it is. Oh, you need to be present, is what you're saying from now on. You need to be present. Uh, we'll find out in just a few minutes. probably a good idea. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Which one are we going to, Judy? We're going to go to line one. Mm-hmm. Pepper. What a pretty name. Pepper. Hmm. But he's a schnauzer. Well, that's the person's name. Oh, it's the person. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. Well, that ruins that. Hi, Pepper. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine, and I want to tell you thank you so much for taking my call. Well, of course, with a, such a pretty name. How did you get the name Pepper? Uh, um, I eat about five gallon jar full of jalapeno peppers a week. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> Uh, so okay. it's not your given name. See, the dog likes him too, huh? All right. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, you don't have a, a regular name for the dog, do you? Well, I named him Casper because he's white. Casper. Okay. Mm-hmm. What's going on with Casper there? Well, I have two dogs. One is a Havanese and one is a Bichon, Casper. I had Casper about two years, and I was making his own dog food, which it was ground turkey, brown rice, and I'd buy the bag of frozen vegetables and put it in there, and everything was going fine. 
I'm, a, I'm an over-the-road truck driver, let me tell you that first. Okay. And all of a sudden, he started getting, like, bladder infection, kidney infection. Mm-hmm. One right after another, right after another. And, I mean, it's not that I'm not taking him out and walking him. It's not that I'm not letting him walk long enough. I mean, every time I would go to the vet, it'd be like $350, $450 while they try to track this thing down. They treat it. Uh, they even went as far as to give me a prescription to take to Walgreens because he had to be on antibiotics for so long one time. Okay. And uh, then he started chewing it at paws. And his paws turned real pinkish looking, and all around his mouth were real pinkish looking, and then he got another bladder infection. I took him back to the vet, and she said, well, she goes, this just isn't right. Now, this is when we were home just about every weekend. So she did some investigating, and she told me, she said, he needs to go. He's got a protein, a problem assimilating protein, and we need to put him on the urinary ISO. Okay. Well, I've got him on that. But I was just wondering if there is another alternative to it. Now, this dog begs for vegetables. He <laughs> begs for vegetables. He loves vegetables. All right. Oh, listen, he loves jalapeno peppers, any kind of vegetable that you will give him. Now, I want to back up for a minute because you said with Casper that he was having a lot of urinary issues. Just because when I hear about a, a Bichon who's having problems in the urinary nature, they are a breed very prone to bladder stones and particularly calcium oxalate uh, based uh, bladder stones. So one of the methods to deal with that is we will try a low protein diet and um, the uh, SO type food, if that's the one that you're talking about, um, the, by, made by Royal Canin. That is appropriate for that kind of dog that has those kind of urinary issues, and it is a low-protein food. So okay. if that's somehow related to his previous signs, then I would definitely endorse that um, you know, prescription, basically, for you. And well, he hasn't had a problem since. Well, there you go. Then it's doing something. Well, <laughs> At least I'm speculating. Any, well, now they've, they've changed our, our company, has changed our route, and, I mean, sometimes it's anywhere from two to four months before we get home. And I realize this is a prescription dog food, and it's hard for me to get. Now, I am going home next weekend, and I do have a couple of cans. But is there, if I get in a bind, is there anything else? Well, the trick is there's probably some things that we can use short-term or treat foods that would be appropriate for a dog on this food. But I'm going to say it's a little hard to just pick a food that we're going to be able to substitute because this is a therapeutic food. It is basically gearing the urine um, into a certain environment so we can hopefully prevent those problems. Uh, now, there are some treats that we can do. Oh, before I even get there, I was going to say, um, at least at my office and many veterinary offices around the country, they may have the option to order online for these prescription foods and to have those uh-huh. shipped to your home because um, it, it is very well, much. I mean, my bed only is only like 10 miles from me, and the problem is getting to, to my house. home city. Uh, okay. Okay. Well, the things that we would definitely want to avoid, as you mentioned, a lot of the different meat things, um, many of those we will want to avoid. The things we can right. use in a pinch for a pet that's on a, um, a diet like SO would be uh, eggs. We can use eggs or chicken, So, but we stay away from you know, a lot of the heavier meats. Um, and right. you mentioned vegetables and fruits. And so there are some fruits and vegetables we can use that are appropriate along with this diet. Um, I'll often recommend bananas, melons, uh, 
uh, green peas, uh, cauliflower, those kind of foods would be appropriate. So, you know, some of those foods might not be a bad thing, but I would hate for you to be out on the road and rely on those uh, food items as your main source of a diet. So, oh, right. I mean, I, I, well, I'm when really I go home, I'm, I'm going to buy the large bag, the super large bag, and I'm going to put mm-hmm. about probably about 30 pounds on the truck, so I won't be out. But it just caught me unawares this time, and. Yeah. Now, one other solution that I might recommend, um, and we use this solution for folks around us that travel, is you can ask your veterinarian for either a prescription card or a written prescription for that food. And if you're heading through another community, and if you have a written prescription for that food, you may very well be able to buy that at a veterinary office. Uh, But you can't just go in and say, hey, I need that SO food. Uh, Most places will say we're not comfortable selling that to you unless we know you really need this for your pet. Um, So that might be another kind of little trick to try. Toll free 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to the Dream Team. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Vetra Science. Give your pets the extra support they need. From Glycoflex joint support to composure for pet stress, Vetra Science has the supplement for all of your pet's needs. Thank you, Vetra Science, for underwriting Animal Radio. Hi, Kelly. How are you doing? I'm doing just great. How are you today? Good. Where are you? Um, I'm in Kiwani, Illinois, in the freezing weather. Ooh, ooh. We, well, we'll send our warm wishes your way. <laughs> what, what's going on with your pet today? Um, actually, it's not nothing is going on with my pet. It's some stuff that we've heard about. And um, I listened to you last week, and you talked about it a little bit. But Dynavite, um, mm. it's got a website, mm-hmm. dynavite.com. And my question was this, is we feed our dogs what is called um, Nature's Recipe. And we get it from PetSmart. Okay. And um, it's a very good dog food. We use it here at the studios. It's good stuff. Right. Yeah, it's a very reputable well, brand. They say that the Dynavite is supposed to be really good. It gives insights and all this stuff. So it, does does the Dynavite, for starters, does it work? Is it true what they say? Because it's pretty expensive. And does it take the place? I mean, can you actually feed your dogs, per se, junk, lower-quality dog food if you're feeding them the Dynavite? Okay, some good questions there, Kelly. And and the first thing is, I'll be honest, I am not on the Dynavite bandwagon. <laughs> um, okay. I, I'm a little bit concerned about any product that makes such grand claims that it's going to cure allergies and all of these type of things. Right, um, right. So can you feed a bad food and make up for it with a supplement. No, you cannot. And just like with people, if you don't eat a good balanced diet, um, popping those vitamins every day does not make up for that. Um, the same thing is true for our pets. So, um, you know, if you've got a good quality diet, I believe that that is the heart of the nutrition question here. And then, you know, there are supplements we'll sometimes add in. So I'm not opposed to trying a supplement for the benefit of, uh, you know, fatty acid supplementation or maybe a pet that might have skin problems. We might look at some zinc supplements, things like that. So there may be pets that benefit from this, um, but I would definitely run away from any product that tells you that it's going to be a cure-all. Um, and, and that's, you know, just, just my honest opinion with that um have i used it on my own pets no but i uh i feed them a good diet and uh you know they get their fatty acids every day and um you know i try to stay on top of their medical problems in that way what you're really saying is that it's the fail safe of all times is if it's 
if it sounds too good, it's too good. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's kind of it kind of goes the, like snake oil salesman there, and uh, you know, like I said, there are definitely some pets that may benefit from it, but you know, the cost, the expense, and I just can't put my heart behind a product that that really claims to cure something such as allergies, which is really an immune system kind of wiring that um, individuals have, and you know, you can't fix that with a supplement. And uh, you know, if your pet's doing well and he's thriving on the diet, um, you know, then I wouldn't have any cause to go looking elsewhere there. This is Dr. Debbie with Animal Radio at 1-866-405-8405. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by VetraScience. Just like their owners, our pets get older. I know. Bummer, huh? Their joints stiffen up. Jumping for joy suddenly becomes more difficult. And that's just me. Glycoflex hip and joint supplements from VetraScience help support joint health. Thank you, VetraScience, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Those big, scary storms can be terrifying for your pet, and we know that when they're stressed, so are you. Take good care of your buddy with VetraScience Composure. VetraScience Composure helps ease anxiety for pets caused by storms, travel, and owner separation. It won't sedate them, and your pets will love the taste. Also, try our Glycoflex for hip and joint health, as well as multivitamins and probiotics. Find VetraScience supplements at your local pet store, Petco, or your vet. Learn more at VetraScience.com. I'm Beth Stern on Animal Radio and Adopt from Your Local Shelter. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's Animal Radio, and it's human nature to like animals. At least that's according to John Bradshaw. He'll be joining us in just a few minutes. Brand new book out called The Animals Among Us and How Pets Make Us Human. And Lori, uh, we're just about 10 minutes away from a quick check of the news in the newsroom. What do you have coming up? One of the big social media platforms has uh, gone through its user database and used some uh, like facial recognition things to find cats and dogs and stuff. So we'll tell you what they found from culling all of this information about cat lovers and dog lovers on social media. Hmm. 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 <laughs> 1-866-405-8405. Hi, Leslie. Hi, Dr. Debbie. How are you? Oh, hi. I'm wonderful today. What can we help you with today? Well, my husband and I adopted a cat that's an indoor-outdoor cat about four years ago. And mm-hmm. he's always worn a collar, even when we had when we adopted him or before we adopted him. And we've noticed within the last six to eight months that he's been coming in in the mornings without his collar on. And so the the first time we thought, well, you know, maybe that's a coincidence. The second time we got a little suspicious and thought, well, maybe one of the neighbors is concerned about him wearing a collar that has to buckle, Uh and so they're removing it. Then the third time that we put a collar on, we used the, the breakaway collar, and he came in last week without his breakaway collar on. And so we're concerned that, well, we like to have for him to have a collar on with a bell so that we can hear him when he comes in and out of the house. And we think that that's a good idea for him to maybe, uh, you know, so, so maybe the, the birds and the animals can hear it and he can, uh-huh. you know, they'll, the birds will get away from him. So, um, we're just wondering what should we do about this? 
Well, it's it's kind of a tricky situation because, you know, and I, I've i had some cats in my lifetime that have been able to get out of breakaway collars in an indoor situation. So um, that's what they're designed for. I can't explain why the other collars came off, but I, I'd be concerned. Um, we do like to have ID on our pets, especially if they're going outside. But if your kitty is getting into environments where that is coming off or getting snagged up on things, that does put them at risk for, you know, choking or some kind of injury from that. So as much as we want to keep a collar on them, um, you know, if we assume that no human is removing that. um, You think neighbors are removing it, though? You are assuming that. Is that correct? We we assume that a neighbor is removing it because of the, they just don't want the cat to have a a collar on. How about putting a note on the collar? The new one, (laughs) just putting a little note on it and say, hey, call, let's talk about this before you take the collar off, you know? I like that idea. We could do that. (laughs) Yeah, it seems like you have a steady communication somehow uh, with the neighbor there. Do you know which neighbor? No. Our cat lives in a a neighborhood, and we call it an island that is kind of blocked off by by different roads, and so he lives on this, this island. And everybody in the neighborhood knows him because he's out and about so much. I mean, he's a nice cat. He's that, very, very nice cat. Does a breakaway collar, is that visibly a breakaway collar, or could that look like any other collar? Could the neighbor think, oh, it's just another another no. collar? No, it looks no, different. No, it, it's definitely a breakaway. You can see that it has a uh, like a little a snap instead of a buckle. So, wow, Doc, uh, this is a tough one. Yeah. Well, I mean, Hal's suggestion about putting some, like, little note or, you know, important identification is included. Um, I would also make sure you do have your kitty microchipped, and it won't mm-hmm. serve the serve um, the purpose of having the audible tone, the bell sound, but at least that's another way that you can help ensure that he's your kitty and that he is identified and, heaven forbid, someone picks him up and decides he, they want to have him, um, that there's some ID there. So, you know, I... Good. Fabulous. Good, good. And, you know, the other, I guess the other side of the argument would be the safest thing would be to keep him indoors so that he doesn't even have this problem. So I know that's not always a popular opinion with some cats who are used to this lifestyle of being the outdoor kind of wandering, uh, checking out the neighborhood and, and keeping tabs on his domain. But that would be the only one thing I could say that we would avoid this problem altogether. They live a longer life, don't they, Doc? Generally, is it statistically proven? Definitely. Outdoor cats, um, injury, infectious disease, uh, you name it, it shortens their, almost by 50% shortens Mm. their lifespan. So, yeah, that's my little advertisement to keep them indoors. (laughs) Leslie. Well, I I, I think I like the idea of putting a little note on his collar. We'll buy another collar and attach a little note to it and see see what happens. And, 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 And do the detachable collar because... When we adopted this cat from a neighbor who was moving out of town, her only stipulation was that we continue to keep him as an indoor-outdoor cat because that was the way she wanted him to be. And we put in the cat door so that he could come in and out. And so we're going to keep that arrangement. Okay. We're going to keep our part of the arrangement there. But I do like that idea. Yeah, put, the, put the note on and then, and then let it, call us back. Let us know what happens. We're very curious. And if you're the neighbor, okay. hey, stop it. Yeah, put a bell Put a bell on the little cat door so you can hear the bell when oh, he comes the door out of the cat door. Yes. Hey, there, there you go. go. Yeah, that's an idea, too. Uh, okay. Ju- Judy actually made me wear a bell at one time because I would sneak around. Yeah, I couldn't find him around. So I understand completely you're wanting to have that. And, of course, the birds, it does scare away the birds so that they have a chance to get away. Good idea. I hope it works out. Let me know how it does work out, okay? 
thank you very much. one 405 to talk to Dr. Debbie. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Brilliant Pad, the world's first self-cleaning dog potty. It automatically replaces a soiled pad with a fresh one so your home stays clean and odor-free. With Brilliant Pad, you never have to see, touch, or smell the yuck again. Learn more over at BrilliantPad.com, and thank you, Brilliant Pad, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, this is Jamie Farr, and you're listening to the Animal Radio Network. And remember to spay and neuter your pets. We can't tell you why canine caviar is the only alkaline-based dog food. But we can tell you, alkaline is proven to minimize the risk of renal failure and pancreatitis, reduce scratching, cellular degeneration, and disease, keeping your furry friend youthful and healthy longer. And those are the reasons we can fit into this short commercial. But by visiting caninecaviar.com, you'll see exactly what we do to make a better food for your dog. Try the one and only alkaline dog food risk-free. Canine Caviar. This is an Animal Radio News Update. And I'm Lori Brooks, a New Jersey woman who thought her dog was dead because the 15-year-old mini pincher named Caesar had been euthanized, supposedly, five months earlier at her vet's office. Well, the woman found out recently that the dog had actually been living with an employee of her vet. Caesar's owner had even picked up his collar at the vet's office. She paid the bill for his euthanasia and received a letter from the staff with their condolences. And then she received an anonymous tip from someone that Caesar was still alive and they told her where she could find him. They said he is in the care of a vet technician that worked in the vet's office. So the owner called police and uh, they went in and they ordered the vet technician to return Caesar immediately. But this is the part that just rips your heart out. Um, The vet tech supposedly wanted to, you know, a chance to make Caesar better. And it wasn't going to happen. But the vet said, sure, okay. The vet, by the way, no longer works there. But unfortunately, when Caesar was returned to his real owner, he was in worse health than he had been five months before. So the owner had to take him to another vet and then, you know, go through that process all over again with him. That's so sad. This is like the second story you've reported like this in the last couple of months, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Um, They're investigating the vet now for possible charges of theft. Yeah, among other things. You know what's it, right. they they actually sent a condolence letter to yeah. the they exactly they sent a condolence letter. They charged her for the exam. Wow. For which they said that he was, you know, going downhill and deteriorating that the best thing to do would be to put him to sleep. She said okay. And so they did it. They they sent her a bill. She dropped by the office to, you know, to pick up the collar wow. that would have been there. And they you know, she signed off on the bill, paid it, but she did get a refund on the euthanasia part of it. Oh, that's, well, that's nice. That was nice. Of yeah. <laughs> and it's sad because sometimes, you know, as a veterinarian, we don't always agree with everyone's timing or maybe the decision for euthanasia. But if it was a mutual decision and the veterinarian said, yes, this is the best thing for your pet, that it just, it does really kind of shock me. Um, that there wouldn't be that, oh, you know, perhaps we can try something else. Would you be interested in, you know, signing your pet over and someone maybe with more financial 
special resources can try to pursue X, Y, or Z. But if that wasn't the case, that is just staggering. Yeah. Well, good to know that the doctor is no longer working at that clinic. Yeah, but he's probably somewhere else. Yeah, well, his license should be I revoked. Yeah. Mm. Half a world away in something much lighter. A pair of elusive white giraffes have been spotted near a conservation area in Kenya, Africa. White giraffes are, are very rarely spotted in the wild. I mean, I guess you would just know because of that big old long neck and that gorgeous head and big eyes that they have. But this conservation group said it's aware of only two previous confirmed sightings of these white giraffes, and that was in Kenya and Tanzania. The giraffes appeared to be what they call leucocystic, not albino. Two different things. So they didn't have pink eyes like an albino would have. But all four species of giraffe have now been classified as vulnerable, meaning that they're now considered to be as threatened as African elephants. Hmm. Now, we all know, especially after all of the the fake news debacle and and scandals and investigations, Facebook is really all about the data, right? And um, they have jumped into this dog person versus cat person Debate and you know seeking more information because they can target their ads better to you if they know if you're a dog person or a cat person. So through its data department, Facebook combed through its user database collecting information on 160,000 users in the U.S. who shared photos of cats or dogs or or both. And um, they didn't, like, snoop through your pictures, but I guess they could. They own the platform. But they used object recognition technology to identify photos. And here's a little bit of what they found. Dog people on Facebook have more friends. On average, dog people have 26 more Facebook friends than cat people. <laughs> now, how, how we did that right-hand, left-hand story earlier, you're yes. a left-hander. Yes. You're also the cat guy, so I expect you to stick up for your species here. I okay? do, yes. <laughs> uh Cat people are 2.2 times more likely to friend other cat people, and that's more than dog people. So I guess cat people are more clickish. Uh, dog people, though, are more likely to be in a relationship. 30% of cat people, though, are single compared to only 24% of dog people. And while dog people tend to like love stories, whereas cat people, they are more into sci-fi and fantasy when it comes to movies. And I totally see that. I see cat people as more Star Trek and that kind of stuff. So they said that dog people tend to like movies like The Notebook, Dear John, Fifty Shades of Grey, and Pretty Woman. Uh, cat people are more into things in movies like Terminator 2. Oh, I love it. Train Spotting. Oh, great yeah. movies. <laughs> Clockwork Orange and Alien. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets, and we welcome back to the show. Always fun to have him on the show, John Bradshaw. Hi, John. How are you doing? I'm great, thank you. Where are we talking to you today? You're in the U.K., across the pond? I am indeed in the U.K. Well, you have a brand new book out. It's called The Animals Among Us, How Pets Make Us Human. Twenty years ago, they were in the backyard, they were in the little doghouse, but now they are a family member, and we treat them like a family member. Yeah, and I think that is actually something that's really quite ancient. Uh, if you look at 
uh, anthropologists have looked at societies all over the world that have um, been discovered both in the 19th and 20th centuries that were kind of emerging from the Stone Age. And they found that all of those societies pretty much worldwide had pets. Now, they were not conventional dogs and cats or anything like that. Obviously, they hadn't had access to those. But what they had done uh, was take young wild animals um, out of the wild, adopted them and treated them as family members. So this is not just something that's emerged in Western society over the last half century or so. It is actually something which has been going on in various ways and various forms for tens of thousands of years. And so that's why I think it's a a really intrinsic part of human nature. It's something that makes us human. So why did we choose to make some animals our pets and bring them to our homes and other animals we choose to eat? Well, that is, I think, is a very cultural thing. I mean, that varies from in different parts of the world now. It's varied uh, across history. I mean, there are some parts of the world where dogs are, or some kinds of dogs are considered to be perfectly acceptable as food. And many parts of the world, the United States included, and UK as well, where that's an absolutely abhorrent idea. It's thought of as disgusting. So um, it's not so much the animals themselves. Those, I think, are just a, a, have come on different journeys to where they are now. But um, which animals we choose to eat, which animals we choose to regard as family members is something that we just grow up with. We learn it from our parents and from the people around us. Oftentimes, the animals, they don't go out and work. They don't bring home a paycheck. Why do we spend so much time and energy and love these animals, even though they're unproductive members of society? Well, the short answer or the initial answer is, well, that they make us feel good. I mean, not all of us. I think that has to be said that people do vary. And there's just seem to be some some genetics behind that. People do vary in how appealing they find animals and how much buzz of a buzz they get from talking to them and stroking them and and petting them and that kind of thing. Um, But those of us who do get a buzz from that, uh, there's been good science done to show that uh, that it's not just something that happens in your mind. It, It changes the hormones circulating around your bloodstream. You get endorphins, peaking which give you the that good feeling the rewarding feeling you get oxytocin peaking as well which makes you feel affection for the animal um so there's a good basis for this it's not just something that people imagine and that they've kind of dreamt up over the past few years uh, as something that that might be just fun to do it's something which is right there you know deep down in human nature to feel this way what i think is interesting is why do we feel this way and i think that's um you know, why have we, did we evolve this thing, which is not going to benefit our, the other, our fellow humans? It's only going to benefit the animals. And I think that, that is, is why we, uh, loving and, and, and feeling affection for animals is such a, an intriguing part of human nature. Yeah, I don't understand. I'm a big animal lover, pet lover, but one of my children is not. I just don't understand that. I thought it would be passed down. My daughter grew up with animals, but she just doesn't have the same passion I do. Well, it is, there is uh, evidence that it's genetic, um, but that maybe sometimes those tendencies don't emerge until, until adulthood. Uh, you know, we, the way that children, whether the children copy their parents or kind of go against them is a, is a very complex issue. And, you know, it doesn't just apply to animals. It applies to all kinds of aspects of bringing up kids. But when people have looked at, um, uh, at, at adults and wh- how well they feel about animals, uh, the two main influences seem to be one, the kind of things that they've, those people have encountered in their lifetimes since they became adults. 
So if they've had good experiences with pets or they've known other people who've had good experiences with pets, then they tend to feel well disposed towards animals in general. Uh, but also there is a, a genetic influence which comes through from the parents, uh, but it could of course just be the one parent. So you're going to get, you're going to get an amount of variation. We are with anthrozoologist John Bradshaw. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll find out more about the animals in John's life. Nature at its best is nature at its simplest. At Red Barn, we've kept it simple for 20 years by concentrating on single-ingredient natural dog treats. Because Mother Nature's actually pretty good at this. Bones are just tasty bones. Meat treats are just nourishing meat. It's nature at its simplest. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Natural Treats. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our slow-roasted natural meaty bones. Whether your kids are still in car seats or high school, Chrysler offers an entire lineup of family-friendly vehicles designed to make your life easier. And now, take advantage of great deals at your local Chrysler dealer. Hi, it's Alan Cable, and it's no secret that our dog friends have transformed so many lives. They ease loneliness, make you laugh, get you out on new adventures, and help you meet people. They've even helped folks with depression and loss. They can sniff out explosives and even disease. When it comes down to it, dogs create more magic than David Copperfield. Doesn't your dog deserve the best life possible for all the magic he or she gives you? Of course they do. But how do you do it? Is it by feeding your dog the best filet mignon or letting them have free run of the house? Do we repair dogs by letting them sleep? Sleep in bed with us. I think you know where this is going, right? You want to give your dog the best life possible by educating yourself so that you can educate your dog. You know, puppies learn quick. They may learn that grabbing your clothes and shoes results in a real fun game of you chasing them or playing tug-of-war. They also learn that whining and barking gets them lots of attention from you. Let in, let out. <laughs> and then they learn that taking little chunks out of your hand or ankles with those sharp teeth produces super fun noise. This is the exact opposite of what you want them to learn, though, isn't it? Being in from the very start of your puppy is better for both of you. Teaching him to sit and let go. Redirecting his behavior. Teaching him not to bite you but only toys. Making sure that when you train him, you set him up for success and make it a lot of fun. So that your puppy grows up seeing training as the funnest game ever. And then in the house, you teach your puppy that calm behavior is the right behavior. And that the yard or the park is the place for play. Don't get him revved up. Save that for outside. Then make sure you take your puppy around as many people to as many places around as many other dogs as you can. Take them everywhere you can. Parks, baseball games, shopping centers. Let them see and watch all kinds of people and dogs. Introduce them to the vacuum cleaner, the lawnmower. And when your puppy gets scared, don't say anything. Don't say it's okay. That just reinforces the fear. Just remove him from the situation or give him a treat. Redirect him. He'll get over the fear quickly when he associates it with something fun or pleasurable. So get a plan, get the education, and then get yourself a dog. And remember, good dog. Dog. This serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats, always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. You can learn more over at RedBarnInc.com. And thank you, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. We are with anthrozoologist John Bradshaw. Well, I think about my parents, and they, uh, you know, they look at me and they say, "You're devoting your life to animals, Hal. You're you're uh, spending all this time putting together a radio show about animals." They don't get it, you know. They they never had that connection with an animal. It seems like I fell far from the tree somehow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, it it is a lot about experiences. I think you know, you, what whether people turn to 
really becoming animal lovers uh, when they become adults. A lot of that is about experience, and it's not simply about the family you grew up in. I mean, I think the the actual family environment that you grow up in is, is it's suggested that really there's no influence of that, whether your pets, your parents actually had pets or not. It doesn't seem to affect whether you like them or not. What about you? That's interesting. What do, what do you have? Do you have a dog? Well, right. Right now, I don't have any pets at all in the really? house. Um, really? And the reason for that, the reason for that is I have, we look after our grandkids a lot, and one of them is very, very allergic. So uh, we we couldn't look after him if we had animals. And, and so we have a lot of cats. Um, they just died of natural causes around the time that he was born. And when when he's a little older, um, we will we will get some more. But I've had, you know, I've had animals since I was in college, uh, so 45 years uh, and and they, I you know I, I really wouldn't be without them, uh, but it's but also I think you know from my own perspective, I'm not I'm not so keen on them that I can't live without them. Uh, I've I've studied them, but yeah, you know, my interest is also coming from studying them and trying to work out what it is about animals that is so appealing, rather than simply indulging myself in them. Sure. Do you think uh, new parents should always consider bringing a dog or a cat or some kind of animal into the household uh, to show their children empathy? It's also supposed to help them with allergies and become less allergic really? to animals yeah. if they're exposed to them as children. I heard as that infants. too. Yeah, yeah. I think there is a, there are benefits to it to uh, whether they you know what the kinds of things that we expose our kids, the kind of allergens we expose our kids to. Um, Particularly in the West, where you know a lot of the environment is pretty sterile, um, you know apartments and houses, we keep them very clean. We use a lot of disinfectants and so on, in a way that our our ancestors did not. They didn't have access to those things, um, and so our, our children are not exposed to all sorts of allergens, which you know we were even or our parents were exposed to. So I think that most. Uh, pediatricians would argue that that's a good thing. Not all of them, but most of them would. Um, I, my, from a sort of more of a psychological and developmental point of view, um, there really isn't, unfortunately, although it's been widely believed that that uh, animals, pets, help children to get on better with other kids. That does actually not seem to have been borne out by the studies that have been done. What has emerged is that it, it helps them to understand life, and I think that's a incredibly important message for children nowadays you know they encounter animals well they encounter almost everything through screens in a way that you know we didn't our parents didn't um and that you know you you don't get the full essence of anything through a screen you get a a pre-digested two-dimensional picture of it um whereas uh i think it's very important that kids grow up knowing what life is that you know living things are not simply uh, something you can switch off when you get bored with them that they're they're 24 7 they need you you need them um, then sometimes they're great and cute and sometimes they're messy and annoying and and that's a great life lesson to to learn that not everything you know you can't expect anything that's alive to be perfect all the time so um uh, and, and i think in broader terms if we expect the next generation to protect the environment for, for animals and for themselves if they don't really understand what an animal is in in you know in, in glorious three dimensions and all the smells and everything else they have um, I don't think they're going to be motivated to do that. It's an incredible book. It's called The Animals Among Us, How Pets Make Us Human. The author, John Bradshaw. I have 10 copies to give away right now, toll-free at 1-866-405-8405. If you're not lucky enough to get on through, head on over to your favorite bookstore or Amazon and order it up. The Animals Among Us. John, thank you so much for hanging with us today. It's been a great pleasure. 
Once again, it has flown by. If you need your fix during the week, visit us over at AnimalRadio.pet or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. Have yourself a great week. Bye. This is Animal Radio Network.